Would you turn back to John chapter 7? Tonight we're going to observe the Lord's table together as we bring in the new year. And uh, I will look forward to that. I'm going to preach on this subject from Matthew chapter 13, verse 52, things new and old. Let's read this 43rd verse again. I've entitled this message, A Good Division. A Good Division. So there was a division, a schism, a rent, people taking sides. There was a division because of him. There are so many divisions in the world in our country, in our homes, that ought not to be. Division. The divisions caused by misunderstandings. This year I got a letter from a lady that um, she said I was so Impressed with what you were saying until I saw that you named the church after yourself. <laughs> How arrogant. You must be a Democrat. <laughs> Misunderstanding. But the divisions that are caused by racism. How evil. Economic status, the haves and the have-nots, the social distinctions, the religious divides, the political divisions, each side demonizing the other. These are the product of sin. Sin brings on these divisions, divisions within a church. How sad. Can there be a division in a true church? Well, there was in Corinth. There was in Galatia. The divisions that take place in a home between a husband and wife, between parents and children, between siblings, contention in the workplace, people arguing, fussing, and fighting. And not getting along. Paul said in Romans 12, 18, if it be possible. Now listen real carefully. If it be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If it be possible. The seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 
David said, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war, division, trouble, divides. But in verse 43, we read of a good division. So there was a division among the people because of him. In verse 37, the Lord said what only he could say. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, a conscious awareness of need. Are you needy? If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's eternally. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, of a truth, this is the prophet, the one Moses spoke. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David, out of that town of Bethlehem where David was? There was a debate. And each side thought they had a scriptural argument as to what they would believe with regard to this man. Well, he can't be the Christ. He came from Galilee. Christ didn't come from Galilee. They all thought they could prove their beliefs from the scriptures. What they were doing was manipulating the scriptures in order to prove what they themselves believed. That's a dangerous thing. It's what Paul called handling the word of God deceitfully. Trying to use the scriptures to prove the correctness of yourself. Rather than going to the scriptures to find out what to believe, you go to the scriptures to prove what you believe. That's a dangerous place to be. They were using the scriptures, manipulating the scriptures. So, verse 43, there was a division. There was a divide among the people because of him. He was the issue then and now. There is still today in here and outside of here 
a division because of him. Listen to these words of our Lord in Luke chapter 12, verse 51. Suppose ye that I'm come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. Those are the Lord's words. From henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. There was a division because of him. Now, the message of the gospel is a message of peace. Aren't you thankful? Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. God, through the gospel, is at peace with me. He's satisfied with me. He's not looking for anything else because of what the Lord accomplished for me. It's the peace of justification. Therefore, having been justified. Now, if you're justified, that means you stand before God sinless, without sin, without anything to feel guilty about, perfect in His sight. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in that message of peace. It creates a division. Between those who believe. And those who do not believe. He is the issue. Now people try to mask that. They try to put a veneer over it and make denominational divisions or Calvinist or Arminian or whatever men, man-made terms they can manufacture to put a label on it, but this is still true. The division is because of him. There was a division among the people because of him. There's a division in this room this morning. And that division is because of him. There is a division among all men. And that division is because of him. Now this was clearly established in the first historical event recorded after the fall. You remember what it was? The story of Cain and Abel. There was a division between those two men. And that division was because of him. Abel brought the blood sacrifice of that lamb. And he knew that that lamb's blood didn't make him accepted before God. He knew it was what that lamb's blood represented. The blood of him who was to come. 
He would not dare approach God in any other way but through the blood of him who was to come. Cain didn't think that was necessary. He knew he had to have a sacrifice and he brought his works, the fruit of the ground, that which God had already cursed. That's where it came from. And there was a division between those men. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that God had respect. I want you to think of the awesomeness of that statement. God had respect to Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. Now the foundation of a good relationship is respect. It's more important than anything else. God had respect unto Abel. The living God had respect unto Abel and his offering. Unto Cain and his offering, he had no respect. Now Abel said, God can only be approached by the blood of that one who is to come. Cain was offended by that. There was a division between those two people. Cain's way of approach was his own works. And Abel said, that's completely wrong. You won't be saved that way. This is a salvation issue. This isn't just a difference in doctrine. This is a salvation issue. If you come into God's presence the way you're coming, you'll go to hell. The only way a sinner can be accepted is through the blood of Christ. No other way. And the division between those two men was so sharp that Cain murdered Abel. There was a division. And that division was because of him. There was a division because of him. Churches have split over some of the silliest reasons. What color are you going to paint the walls? But here is a good reason. The division was because of him. He is the issue. He is salvation. What was the difference between the two thieves? Jesus Christ. He was the difference. Not a difference. The difference. What was the difference between Judas Iscariot 
and Peter. The Lord said with regard to Peter, I have prayed for you. He didn't pray for Judas Iscariot, but he did for Peter. Jesus Christ himself is the difference. What is the difference or who is the difference between those who are condemned and those who are saved? Who is he that condemneth, Paul said. Somebody replies, I can't be condemned because I made my decision for Christ. I accepted him as my personal savior, as an act of my free will. I let him into my heart. Oh. How did Paul answer the question? Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Who is the difference? Jesus Christ. It's Christ that died, yea, rather that's risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who's the us? If God be for us, who can be against us? He is the difference. And there was a division because of him. Simeon understood that. He said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Jesus Christ is God's salvation. He's the difference. He only is the difference between the saved and the lost. I love the way Paul said, he is our peace. He is our life. He is our hope. He himself is the difference. Now there is division. There was a division among the people because of him. If my hope of being saved is grounded upon anything that I have done, any experience. Well, I know I was saved then. I remember what I experienced, what I felt, what I thought. If my hope is based upon anything right down to an act of my will, that declares my hope is no good. And do you hear that? That says my hope of being saved won't work. I will not be saved. I think of what the disciples said to the Lord after they saw the rich young ruler leave. Who then can be saved? Who has the ability to be saved? With men, our Lord said, it is impossible. 
And if your salvation is based upon your ability to do anything before you can be saved, you won't be saved. Listen to this statement. Turn from your sins. You won't be saved until you turn from your sins. You ought to turn from your sins. You must turn from your sins. But if my salvation is dependent upon me turning from some particular sin or I won't be saved unless I first do, that makes my salvation dependent upon me. Now, I would not in any way turn from your sins. Never sin again. I hate sin. I don't want to sin. But if my salvation is dependent upon me doing anything before I can be saved. Now, somebody said, don't you believe? Of course you do. But if you've got to believe before you're saved, and you first believe, then I'll be saved. Believe what? That's just confusing the whole issue of the gospel. Um, salvation is what he does. You believe that. Salvation is him. Now, if your hope is only in him and somebody says there's something you must first do to be saved, right down to that act of your will, there's going to be a division between you and that person because they're taking away the only hope you have. There was a division because of him. How can two walk together except they be agreed they can't. On one side of the division, there is a dividing line. Don't kid yourself and think there's not. There is a division. On one side of the dividing line, he is all in salvation. On the other side, he is nothing at all. There is a division because of him. Between Lazarus and the rich man, there was a great gulf fixed. A division, and one could not pass through to the other. God said against any of the children of Israel, shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, so that you may know that the Lord hath put a distinction, a division, a difference between the children of Israel and Egypt. Law and grace cannot coexist. Faith and works cannot coexist. Salvation is either by man's will or God's will. But there's no in between. Scripture says cast out the bondwoman. Salvation by works. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Now, with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, it was not his works that divided men. It was not his miracles that divided men. It was not him feeding 
the poor that divided men or him healing the sick that divided men. It was what he said. John 10, 19, there was a division among the Jews for this saying. Same word. There was a division. There was a divide between the Jews for this saying. Now, I want to give you, it's actually him, but I want to give you four things with regard to him that cause division. Number one, when he is preached as God, there will be division. No one objects to him being a man, do they? Colossians 2.9 says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. Every attribute of God, all that God is, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in a body. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him. Many good works have I shown you of my father. For which of these works do you stone me? For good works stone we thee not, but for blasphemy. For thou, being a man, makest thyself God. You see, we will not have this man who claims to be God to reign over us. You see, if he's God... That means we're in his hand. If he's God, that means our salvation is completely dependent upon him. If he's God, we have no control over him. We can't get him to do what we want him to do. If he's God. If he's God, he's God. No. That's where people get upset. No. He's not God. He's a good man. He's a mighty prophet. He... Not God, though. You see, if he's God, we're in trouble. No, if he's God, he's the only hope you have. It's a good thing for him to be God, isn't it? Don't you love him being God? Now, there's a, there's a divide. There's a divide. Those who love him as being the sovereign God over all, the absolute Lord of the universe, and those who do not believe that. Secondly, if you preach total depravity the way he did, I'm not just talking about a doctrine, but I'm talking about the way he did. If you preach sin the way he did, there will be division. In John chapter 6, he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come to me except it were given him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more 
with him. Now, let's examine what he said. He said, no man can come to me. Coming to him is salvation. I hope you and I understand that. Coming to him is salvation. He is salvation. Coming to him is salvation. What does it mean to come to him? It means to believe on him. You believe on him. You trust him. And you're commanded to do it. Everybody in this room, trust the Lord is all you need to make you perfectly accepted before God. You won't be saved apart from that. But the command of the gospel is believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what it means to come to Christ. You come to Christ when you trust him as all that's needed to make you perfect before God. Perfectly accepted. Perfectly holy. You trust him. Now, the Lord says with regard to this command, and it is a command, and you and I will not be saved apart from believing the gospel, apart from trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him. You're commanded to. Don't, don't think, well, am I commanded to? Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. What if I'm not one of the elect? Trust him. Don't even think of stuff like that. Believe on Christ right now. That's the command of the gospel. Trust him. You trust him to save you. Lord says, you can't do that except it's given to you from my father. The only way you will do that is if he gives it to you because you cannot do it in and of yourself. If the Lord leaves me and if he leaves you to ourselves, we will not be saved. Now that's just the truth. What are you going to do? I'm going to say, Lord, save me. Lord, give me the grace to come to him. Draw me to him. Now, if you tell people you can't unless he enables you, that's a dividing line. That's a dividing line. Oh, I, I, can, I can do that. I, no, you can't. No, you can't. That's what it is to preach sin is he preached it. Let me read a passage of scripture to you from Acts chapter 7. This is the message that cost Stephen his life. Would you turn with me there to Acts chapter 7 for just a moment? Now this is the conclusion of this message he brings in Acts chapter 7. He says to his hearers, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed you before the coming of the just one of whom you have been now betrayers and murderers who received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, what did he say to these people? You've never kept the law. You always resist the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? They stoned him. After this. Now, our Lord taught human sinfulness, and the thing that is, this is this is encouraging that He does give 
that he does draw. Thank God for that. He did. No man can come to me. That's why I say, you can't come to me unless it's given to you of my father. You can't do it. You're, you're... How do you respond to that? Well, what about my free will? What about my decision? What about... No, if you respond to it the right way, you'll say, Lord, cause me to come. Right now, cause me to come for, for Christ's sake. Cause me to come. Can you say that in your heart before the Lord? Lord, cause me to come to your son. Cause me to see him as everything in my salvation. Cause me to trust no one or nothing but him. <laughs> Enable me to. Number three. Number one, you preach him as God, there will be divisions. Number two, you preach sin as he preached it. There will be division. Number three, you preach his sovereignty and salvation as he did. There will be divisions. When he first came to um, Nazareth, early on, when he first came to Nazareth to preach after he had done so many things, they were there to preach him and or to listen to him preach, and they were excited about it. And he opened up Isaiah 61. And from that passage of Scripture, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to give sight to the blind and, and deliverance to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable of the year of the Lord. And then the scripture says he sat down, closed the book, everybody looked at him and said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And they didn't like it. And he looked at this audience and he said, you don't like what I'm saying? Well, in the days of Elijah, the prophet, there are a lot of uh, lepers in Israel. And God passed by every one of them. And he healed a leper that was a Gentile. And in the days of Elisha, there were many widows in Israel. And God passed by every one of them and saved a widow that was a Gentile. And the scripture says when he said these things to him, he was saying, you don't like it? Well, God's passing you by. That's what that means. You don't like this. God's passing you by. And when they heard these things, the scripture says they were filled with wrath and they they took him and led him up to the brow of the hill that they might cast him down head first. They were so hungry. But he passing through went his way. You see, when this is what upsets people. And it doesn't upset a believer. But this is what upsets people. When they hear of his absolute sovereignty in salvation. Now, how do you respond to that? How do you respond? Lord, save me. If you preach 
the death of Christ for his sheep, there will be division. Turn to John 10. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me. Even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. Now what's this mean? I lay down my life for the sheep. Means exactly what he says. Who are the sheep? Is everybody sheep? Well, look what the Lord said in verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you believe not because... You are not of my sheep. As I said to you, not everybody's a sheep. Sheep believe. Now here is the point of this thing of him laying down his life for the sheep. If Jesus Christ died for you, you must be saved. That's the point. If Jesus Christ died for you, all your sins have been washed away. You stand before God without guilt, perfect in his side. When he said it is finished, your salvation was accomplished. Now, you know as well as I do that most of the stuff that goes under preaching says Jesus Christ died for everybody. He died for all men. He paid for the sins of all men, he made a sufficient sin payment for everybody. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. And if it did teach that, that would make salvation by works. You see, somebody that preaches that Jesus Christ shed his blood for everybody, made salvation possible for everybody, you might as well be an atheist. No difference. You might as well be an atheist. You believe salvation is somehow dependent upon you. You've got some kind of wrong concept of God. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. That's where the division came from. His complete, effectual salvation. <clears throat> the division is because of him. He is the difference. He's the dividing line. He's the difference. 
between the saved and the lost. In him or not in him. He is either all in salvation or he's nothing in your salvation. No in between. You either love him or you hate him. When all the veneer and the religious labeling is taken away, here is the issue, the only issue. The division is because of him. May God give me and you the grace to really believe that he is the only difference and to rely on the fact that he is the only difference. We trust him only. The division is always because of him. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in Christ's name that you, by your Spirit, by your grace, will divinely enable each one of us in this room to trust him only. And Lord, enable us to see that the division is always and only because of him. Lord, we ask that you would glorify him in our eyes. We ask that you would Bless your word. Deliver us from the words of men. Lord, a man preach this. And Lord, overrule anything that I said that would be contrary to your gospel. And cause us to see that he only is our salvation. In his name we pray. Amen.